This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. My name is Mike Kane, and it's been a little while since I've been up here. Uh, I looked at my notes, and I think the last time I actually taught from the platform was about a year and a half ago. I know I had the opportunity to share at the uh, sunrise service, if you were there, and that was exciting. But, you know, a lot has happened, I have to admit. Um, One thing I want to tell you is that I'm expecting. That's right, I'm expecting. I'm expecting to be a grandfather. Uh, About Christmas Day, my daughter, Sarah Kane, Sarah Murphy now, uh, and her husband, Stephen, are expecting their first child. So the uh, due date, I think, is Christmas Day, uh, but I'm not sure. And they're moving back to Connecticut. They were in Vermont, so they're moving back to Connecticut. So I'm thankful about that. And I also want to let you know that just three weeks ago, my dad, Alan Kane, went to be with the Lord. And uh, so in the last, there's a lot, that, so much that God has been speaking to me since then. Um, but just to give you a, a quick kind of review of, of what, what happened and, and the reason for the uh, title of the message today. So uh, my dad is 87. He lives in Florida. He fell. He broke his hip. Um, and this happened about a week before we were planning a vacation. So I flew down, um, and he was with him in the hospital and was there you know, after he got out of the, uh, the ER, and he, had, he was operated. Um, and then I was, I was not able to stay because I had to come back north to be able to fly, actually drive all of us, all the family, down because that was our vacation. It was going to be the next week. So I had ended up, you know, getting him into a rehab facility, which, God's honest truth, he did not like. He absolutely did want, want to, not want to be there. So, um, but it, and it was it it was difficult to leave him because he was he was just so unhappy about that. But um, when I eventually we drove down, he was back in the hospital, and you know, when I saw him, I I, I knew, I knew. You know, it wasn't going to be very much longer. And uh, so eventually we brought him home to hospice. And that's really where he wanted to be. And uh, I never forgot the uh, hospice nurse. I knew, I knew she was a believer. Because I had, now by this time I had all my kids. And I have six kids and, and my son-in-law. So there was a lot of us there. And we were just, and my dad was still, you know, he was still talking. But... She looked at me and she said, you're blessed. And, and you wouldn't necessarily say that to someone if you didn't know something about them and about the situation. But she knew uh, what was going on and that, you know, she looked at that and she told me that, really, you're blessed. And, you know, later, my wife told me this later, that she told my wife that, he knows that God is preparing a place for him. She told my wife this. And uh, so, make a long story short, uh, when I thought about that, I, I realized, yes, as, through the tears, through the, the sadness of having to say goodbye, even in the midst of that, 
I could, just like it says in, in Psalm 23, his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I look back and I see it. It's like you don't realize it when you're going through it. But after you've been through it and you look back, you see God's goodness and mercy. I mean, that was like a tangible you know, thing to me. And I could see that. But, um, but I, I wanted to talk about this word a little bit this morning, blessed, because how many of you know that there are certain words in our culture that I would say are overused, right? When somebody says something is amazing, no, it's not. When something says it's unbelievable, I mean, sometimes it is, but I think we're just so used to using that, it's unbelievable. Well, it's really not unbelievable. I could believe it, but... And I think there's certain words that are overused, and I think in our culture, especially now, I think this word blessed, so many people are using it. And I think they, they want... A general meaning of it is, or most people take it as to... to suggests that they are they're, uh, materially or financially blessed, right? They're, they're receiving some material blessing, or their state is, you know, that of contentment or peace. And when you think about, we're going to talk about what Jesus said it meant to be blessed this morning. I think there's a little bit of a difference of what our culture thinks of the word and what it actually means. And when I was researching you know, this message, to be honest, I wanted to have a, a kind of an opening song. You know, but I'll be honest with you, most of the opening songs, they're talking about blessings that I don't know if they line up, to be honest, with what Jesus said it meant to be blessed. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, and, you know, I... I uh, as I often do, I, um, I have an object lesson here, so hopefully you'll, you'll appreciate that in a few minutes here, but we're not going to talk about it right away. Um, but this word blessed, this word blessed, someone said this, there's nothing quite like invoking holiness as a way to brag about your life, but calling something blessed has become the go-to term for those who want to boast about an accomplishment while pretending to be humble, fish for a compliment, acknowledge a success without sounding too conceited, or purposely elicit envy. Blessed, divine, or supremely favored is now used to explain that coveted TED Talk invite as well as to celebrate your grandmother's 91st birthday. And so I think this word blessed in our culture Yes, it's overused, but I think the meaning, at least from a biblical standpoint, has gotten lost because of our culture. But what the Bible defines as being blessed is receiving the fullness of life in God's presence. And as a text, what I want to look at this morning is found in Matthew chapter 5. And these are referred to as the Beatitudes. Now, has anybody ever heard of that word, Beatitude? Now, beatitude means uh, supreme blessedness or exalted happiness. Uh, these are declarations of God's grace. And this is Jesus' description of the character of true faith. 
And these are, are character traits, specifically of Christ's followers. And if you want the Mike Cain unauthorized version of beatitude, is how you want to be as a believer in Jesus Christ. How you want to be. Jesus said, this is how you want to be. If you're going to follow me, this is how you want to be. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. And it says this. And this is Jesus speaking. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a high mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Now just to give you a little background. Jesus had just returned from his 40 days in the wilderness, and he was tempted of the devil. And this is right at the beginning of his ministry, and he started his ministry in Galilee, and he started to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God. And in that process, he had power to heal all manner of disease and sickness. And because he was healing people, he had a multitude of people that were following him because they wanted to see the power of God in work, at work. So, obviously, we all know that 2,000 years ago, there was no way of amplifying the voice. So he went up to a high mountain so people could hear him speak. And this is what he said. Verse 2, then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, when you look at that, let me ask you a question. What do you consider being poor in spirit? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means to recognize our spiritual poverty, to recognize our need Poor means we're lacking something. To be poor in spirit means to realize there's something missing in our life. And how many of you know, before we come to Christ, what is the thing that so often our experience, my experience was, that I was missing something. Something was missing in my life that I needed. I was lacking. And it's it is the opposite of self-sufficiency. It's realizing that there's something I don't have that I need. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And examples of this in the scripture, if you think about it, in Acts chapter 16, what did the jailer say to Paul when the, when the, when the prison doors flew open? And he said, you know what he said? He said, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And what did Paul say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Another example in Luke chapter 18, the tax collector. He he looked up to heaven and he said, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Recognizing, poor in spirit is recognizing that we are lacking something. There's something missing in our lives. And before we come to Christ, oftentimes we don't know what it is. How many of you know that there can be, people can have all the money in the world, some of the richest people in the world, realize something's missing? Amen? Would you agree? So it's not about having material things. You can have all the material things in the world, but you can also realize that something else is missing. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Look with me in Luke chapter 6. And in Luke, there's a list of these same Beatitudes, but they're, they're in a little different order. Luke chapter 6, verse 20 says this. It says, blessed are you rich. What does it say? But don't you think that's what our culture thinks it means? Blessed are you rich. How many know or or have seen on social media or in some fashion seen a celebrity say, I'm blessed. And it obviously means that they have all they need materially, right? But Jesus said, blessed are the poor for yours is the kingdom of God. And in Luke, he makes it much more, these beatitudes, he makes it much, much more personal by saying you. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom. It doesn't matter how much money they had in their pocket. There's something missing. When we don't have the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives as our personal Lord and Savior, there's something missing. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who recognize that. Verse 4 says this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What does it mean to mourn? Certainly, over the past two or three weeks, I did a lot of what most people think of as mourning. You know, I love my dad. We were very close. How many of you know it's tough to to be separated, realize that we're going to be separated here. I'm not going to be able to talk to you anymore. There's a lot of things we mourn about. But what this is specifically speaking about, blessed are they who mourn, It's referring to that godly sorrow, realizing our spiritual condition. And there's a godly sorrow that results in repentance, and that results in salvation. Godly sorrow, the scripture says, 2 Corinthians. Godly sorrow works repentance that results in salvation. When we realize our condition, and when we realize that it's our sin that put Jesus on the cross. That it's my sin. When we realize it's not somebody else's sin, when we say, no, it's my sin. I did that. I'm personally responsible. We mourn. There's sadness. There is remorse. There's, we lament. We mourn over our condition. And that causes us to turn from that sin that put Jesus on the cross, and we turn and we face the Lord. That's repentance. Being sorry for what we did, but being so sorry that we're willing to change and submit to God as our Lord and Savior. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. They will be comforted. And how many of you know that when we realize That Jesus paid the price. Not only did he die on the cross, but what? He rose from the dead. Amen? Amen. He's alive. That God, that's proof that God accepted his sacrifice. His resurrection is proof that he's alive. That God, the Father, accepted his sacrifice on our behalf. They shall be comforted. And it's, 
It's as, as Pastor Joe, uh, he was sharing last week about um, John 1.12. And it says, to as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, to them he gave the right to become sons of God. And don't you, aren't you glad, <laughs> aren't you glad that Jesus was our sacrifice? He was, as Pastor Ron says, our whipping boy. And it says, to as many as received him, even to those who believe, and that word believe is not just mental assent. It's not just agreeing to the facts, but it's putting our whole weight, our whole future, our whole destiny, totally relying on Jesus for salvation. And, and I, I thought of this, and I don't know if this helps you. It, it helped me understand it. Is any Star Wars fan, anybody knows the, the, a movie Star Wars out there? There's a, so there's uh, these characters, um, and there's a scene where there's uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker, and they're talking, and then there's R2-D2, and then in the midst of their conversation, R2-D2 shows a, uh, there's an image of Princess Leia, and she is pleading it through this message, to Obi-Wan Kenobi, and she says, you are our only hope. And this word believe, that's what it means. Casting everything, our, our hope for future, our hope for salvation, our hope for forgiveness on Jesus Christ. It's as if he is the only, the last thread holding us. And it's casting all of our being, all of our destiny on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means to believe. But when we do, listen to what it says here. It says this. Um, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Psalms 32.1, it says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is he. How many of you know when you realize, yes, you're guilty. Yes, you're, sin you're a sinner. The wages of sin is death. But how many of you can, can testify, oh, how blessed is he, what does it say, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Amen? Anybody else out there? When I came to realize that, yes, I was guilty before a holy God, my sins separated me from God. Uh, there was this vast, vast canyon between us and nothing, nothing that I did. I was guilty before God. But the cross of Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God. And this is the scripture. I, I remember it to this day, 32 years ago. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was the one scripture that got me convicted that I needed to give my life to the Lord. And he doesn't just cover it. He takes it away. Amen? He re as far as the east is from the west... He removes our transgressions from us. And just like the songwriter said in Amazing Grace, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, amen? But now I see. Verse 5, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now does it say, blessed are the weak? It says, blessed are the meek. How many of you know there's a difference between meek and weak? That, that one little letter, right? Meek is not weakness. 
Meek is power under complete control. And when we give our lives to the Lord, we also, in that process, we give all that we are, our time, our treasure, our talent, and we put it under God's control. We say, what did we sing this morning? I am yours. I'm yours. We're surrendering all that he's given to us, giving it back to him because he gave everything that he had, his only son, for our sake. So in exchange, we give all that we are back to him. That's what it means to be meek. It means to have the ability, have all this ability to react, but it's under complete control. It's under the supreme control of the Holy Spirit. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And Romans 12, 3 says, not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So Jesus said, blessed are the meek, not the weak. It doesn't mean weakness. He said, blessed are the meek, those who are willing to put themselves under God's control. And it says, they will inherit the earth. They'll inherit the perfect kingdom coming to earth. How many of you know in Revelation, it says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. That's what it says. The old things will be passed away. There'll be a new earth. And it says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Verse 6 says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst. What's righteousness? What's righteousness? Do what's right. It's right living, right? Doing what's right. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst. What does it mean to hunger and thirst? Has anybody ever fasted for several days? I know some people have fasted for a week and even longer. And you become very obvious that there's, you are, you are, there's, there's um, something that only, you have a feeling that only something can satisfy. And it's food for the physical hunger. But it says, blessed are they, uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Once we have been saved, once we have come into a right relationship with God, we want to make sure we're living in right relationship. We want to continue to to live right according to God's, God's word. And it says, they shall be filled They will be filled. Those who hunger and thirst, eventually they will be filled. And it's not, it's not self-righteousness. That's not it. It's not self-righteousness. It's God's righteousness. Amen? Amen. Luke 6, 21 says this. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. And I want to encourage you, always stay hungry for more of God. Amen? Amen. Always stay hungry for more of God. It's like the psalmist said in Psalm 42. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs for thee. Amen? Always stay hungry for God. And Jesus said, you are blessed. Stay hungry for God and you will be filled. God will fill 
the person, the man, the woman, the boy or the girl that stays hungry for him. Blessed are the merciful, it says, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. What does mercy, what does being merciful mean? What does it mean? Compassion, kindness, benevolence, forbearance. How goodness, yes, absolutely. Responding with mercy, extending mercy. And how many of you know, when you re- how many of you are glad for the verse, his mercies are new every morning? Amen? But how many of you are happy to know that when we realize we've been the recipient of his divine mercy, and what is mercy? Not getting what we deserve, right? Bible says we're all sinners. The wages of our sin is death. That's not just physical death. That's eternal death. That's eternal separation from God. That's that's what the scripture says. I make no apology. That's what it says. That's what we have all sinned and come short of God's glory. And when we realize we don't get what we deserve, we realize how merciful God has been to us. And isn't it easier when we realize how merciful he's been to us for us to extend mercy to each other. Listen to what it says here in uh, Ephesians 4.2. It says, it says, 50% of the time, be humble and gentle. What does it say? And what does that mean? 100%. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Oh, we could just talk about this all day. Isn't it easy? Even in the body of Christ, things, you know, we're different personalities. And, you know, we rub each other sometimes the wrong way, right? It says be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. That's being merciful. And it says we shall obtain mercy. Verse 8 says this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. What does, pure, what does the word pure mean? Clean, sincere, genuine, perfect in love. Absolutely. It means unmixed, undivided. And uh, how many of you want to see an object lesson here? Like object lessons? Problem is, I don't have a brown bag. I have a blue box right here. Okay? And this is going to be an object lesson on this idea of blessed are the pure in heart. Um, And right here, in the blue box, I have some household items. Some condiments. How many of you like sriracha hot chili sauce? How about that? Yes? No? Mustard? Anybody like mustard? Ketchup? How about some ranch dressing? Okay. And oh, over here, I just happen to have behind this, this uh, palm tree here, a pitcher of water. A pitcher of water. Okay. So. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. See, we say it every day, right? God bless you. 
All right, this is, blessed are the pure in heart. So this represents a pure heart. Nice, clear Southington water, right? Good, actually, very good. Okay, now, what are some of the things that, that, what gives us an impure heart? Lies. Lies. Yeah, lies. Hate, yeah. Deception, deceit. Lust. Lust. <laughs> exactly. Greed. Ketchup will be greed. Say that again. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. You got it. Unforgiveness. So this will be a little unforgiveness. Picture it if you can. So these things, when they're in our heart... They make it. Hang on, there we go. Oh, buttermilk. Oh, unforgiveness. That's slow to come out. But man, when it gets in there, boy, it's hard to get out, huh? Okay. So, let me mix this up a little bit. I got a nice spoon right here. All right, so that beautiful, clear water that represents a pure heart. Anybody want to take a swig of that? Any volunteers this morning? Okay. But I'm going to show you how, and I want you to know, we all, because of sin, have an impure heart. But I want to show you, this represents God's, the vastness of what he can provide. And as he pours into us, what happens is those things that made our heart impure, we replace them with his goodness and our heart becomes pure again. As we receive from God, but to as many as received him, means contaminated, But those that have a pure heart have been cleansed of their sin. And as they spend, as we as believers spend time in God's presence and receiving his word, it fills up all of those things and it it displaces, I should say, all those things that make our hearts impure. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And it says, see God. And that, that, that has two meanings. We not only will see God working in our lives, but we will see God every day at work. Not only in our lives, but in the lives of others around us. Amen? Amen. We will see the evidence of God working here on earth. And ultimately, the second thing is, we will see him face to face one day in heaven. Amen? Amen? We will see him. That is our eternal home. We're just pilgrims passing through. Verse 9 says this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Those who make peace. Not only peace with God. The scripture says in, was it Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore now, being justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And as believers, not only do we make peace, we, we seek to proclaim that there is now peace with God. We, we, that's in proclaiming the gospel. Now we can have peace with God because of Jesus. But we also work at making peace between each other. That's what a peacemaker is. Look at what it says here in uh, Matthew 5, verse 44. It says this, But I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Now, is that, is that something that can be done in the natural without God's help? Absolutely impossible. We need, amen, we need the help of God's Holy Spirit to do that. In fact, if you try to do that on your own, it is impossible. And how many of you know there are countless opportunities in our everyday life to be peacemakers, right? Just drive down Route 10 on a 5 o'clock on Friday. You know, or 84 through Waterbury. Oh, my goodness. There are many, so many opportunities where, where um, to, to, <laughs> to experience to be meek, <laughs> Keep our, all of our emotions under control, but also to be peacemakers. Not to retaliate. Not to take vengeance. To return kindness. And it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And that means that we are born, born of God. Born of his spirit. Verse 10 says this. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed, highly favored of God are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For doing the right thing at the right time. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that word persecute means to harass, trouble, molest, or to disturb in a vindictive way. And how many of you know that when we decide to follow Jesus... There are certain things. I, I know there are certain things that I made a decision shortly after I was born again that I wasn't going to drink alcohol. That was 32 years ago. And I know just because I don't drink alcohol, there's naturally, in, in many settings, people sometimes are offended by that. People don't like the fact that I don't do as they do or don't do as they have. I made a decision. I, I rem- One of the first verses I, I memorized was Ephesians 4.29, if you're taking notes. Um, forgive me. Yes, Ephesians 4.29. And I, forgive me, I just lost it right now. But it, it talks about um, the words of our mouth, being careful what we say, being, being careful uh, of the, of the things that come out of our mouth. Forgive me, I just, I just lost that right now. Can somebody look up Ephesians 4.29? Because that is very important. Somebody look it up. Anybody have it? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Thank you. Thank you. And it may be a new, that's, I know it was probably New King James. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. 
And, and the, the idea behind that is, what do we, what bothers us when, we, when and it's so often in everyday, in everyday conversation, swearing, right? And, and when we decide to follow Jesus, we want to bring our tongue under his control. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And when we don't participate in that, how many of you know? Sometimes people get offended. Sometimes they get mad. Sometimes they might even call you a name. Okay? How about if we, we hear a lewd joke, a dirty joke? Do we just laugh with everybody else? It takes... It takes a commitment to follow Jesus. Do the right thing. Blessed are you, it says, who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you who are, who are persecuted, treated badly for righteousness' sake, for right, right living. Jesus said, blessed, you're blessed you're highly favored of God, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There are so many opportunities for this to be blessed, to receive this type of blessing in our everyday lives. And, and when, when we are the recipient of that harassment or that poor treatment, does it feel like a blessing? It doesn't. So I hear, when I hear a celebrity say they're blessed, do you think that's what they're talking about? That's not what they're talking about. It has nothing to do with how much money is in our pocket or how good we feel. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Even when we take a stand not to participate in gossip. Not to participate in gossip. These, are these things not everyday occurrences in our work lives? So there are everyday opportunities for you and I to be blessed simply for following Jesus. Verse 11 says this, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Does that sound like blessing? Revile. What is revile? That's an old, kind of an old... English word. It means to criticize in an abusive or angrily insulting manner. And to persecute is hostility, poor treatment, especially for religious reasons. And I also have up there uh, the next verse in the lineup is Matthew 5.11 in New Living Translation. It says this, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you. And lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Right? We just, we just had a VBA, right? Follow me. And this type, of, this type of blessing is a character trait of those who follow Jesus. True followers of Jesus. Blessed are you. <laughs> When they revile and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. And I can personally testify, I, I, don't, I can't think of a specific 
example of this in my own life where this has happened, but I don't know what people have said behind my back, right? There is one well-known person that I, I believe would be a perfect example of this. He's well-known. I think most of you know him. His name is Tim Tebow, right? And how many of you know he's, he is a committed follower? He's bold about his faith. He's bold about his witness. He used to put, uh, when he played football, he had, uh, he had scripture verses. And you know what they, people told him? You can't do that. You can't do that. I've seen him mocked, made fun of, the butt of jokes. Tim Tebow. It says, verse 12, listen to this. When that happens, it says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And if you're taking notes, write down Acts chapter 5. And I want to encourage you as a challenge today, read Acts chapter 5. It talks about, it was the beginning of the church. And it talks about Peter and the disciples. And they were operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. They were proclaiming the gospel. And it put them in prison. They were in prison. And and an angel opened the door and told them, Keep preaching it. Go to the temple. Preach this message. The words of life, it says. And the council, the Jewish council, were very disturbed by this. They warned them. One thing we're telling you to do. Do not teach any longer in the name of Jesus. And what do you think they did? They said, Is it, it's, listen, it's more important that we obey God than obey men. So they went out. And they started proclaiming Jesus as Savior, this good news of salvation that God has given us the Savior. Not only did he die on the cross, but he's alive. And he can forgive you. And he can give you the promise of eternal life if you trust him. And it says at one point, the council, this Jewish council, that they beat the, the, uh, the disciples, Peter and the disciples, they were beaten and then they were released. And, and it says that the, the testimony was they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And how many of you know, around the world, we don't hear about it, unless you listen to Voice of the Martyrs. There are people suffering every day. More people have died for the cause of Christ in the last century than all the centuries before. Do you know that? There are people who are willing to die in countries that it is illegal to proclaim the gospel. And we need to remember that whatever difficulty, hardship, poor treatment we experience as followers of Christ is only temporary because we have an eternal home in heaven, the likes of which no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared For those who love him. It says rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Because when you're persecuted for the cause of Christ. Great is your reward in heaven. That's what Jesus said it meant to be blessed. That's what it meant. And when you look at. When you look at these beatitudes. When I look at them. I see a journey. My own personal journey of faith. And I think many of you can relate to this. 
It begins with recognizing that there's something missing. We're poor in spirit. When we realize it's our sin that separates us from God, we mourn over our sin. When we come to a place of surrender, and when we give our lives to Jesus, we are submitting all that we have under his control. That's meekness. And when we are, when we are saved, we hunger and thirst for more of God. Amen? Amen? And it says, and we become merciful, forgiving, because we realize that how much we have been forgiven. And our hearts are purified, all those things that caused an impure heart. As we fill it, fill it up with more of God, all those things that make it impure go out and it becomes pure again. And then we, when we start proclaiming this message of peace with God, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We're peacemakers. And when we do that, how many of you know, oftentimes we face persecution. We face poor treatment because of proclaiming this message. The disciples did. They faced it. They faced poor treatment. So I want you to think about when somebody says, when you hear the word blessed. And I, there's nothing wrong with, with being at peace. And um, even, it's not money itself that's the root of all evil. But what? The love of money. But when you see so many people talk, using that word blessed, I want you to remember what Jesus said that word means. And the last couple of verses I want to look at, these are, these are keys. How many of you know a key is, is something that's used to unlock treasure, right? So look with me in the first verse in Psalms. It says this. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. How many of you want to be blessed? Almost half. That's great. Almost half. I got two hands up, okay? I want to be blessed by God. Here's some keys that we can learn from. It said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So key number one, be careful who you listen to. Seek godly counsel. Seek professionals. I often try to seek professionals that are believers. I want to know that they're a believer before I seek their advice. Do not listen to the counsel of the ungodly. And it, said, it says, blessed is the man who, who doesn't stand in the path of sinners. Be careful who you hang around with. My son, my youngest son, we, we, uh, I have four sons and we, I have two daughters. And my, uh, recently, he's 12 years old, and I took him away for a weekend. And we taught him the principle, the passport to purity. Has anybody ever heard that passport to purity? 
If you have any children, 10 to 12, I would strongly encourage you, you can Google it, come and talk to me after the service, I can tell you more about it. But it's a, it's a, um, it's a teaching, it's a series of teaching CDs about teaching kids about how God designed men and women. And it, the importance of staying pure, right? And so when I taught my son this, um, you know, it was, it was important. One of the things that we talked about was it's be careful who you hang around with. And, and the verse that he used was, bad company corrupts good morals. So that we have to be careful if we're going to be blessed who are we hanging around with? And isn't it easy just to go with the crowd? Isn't it easy just to do as everybody else does, right? We have to be careful who we hang around with. And I am not saying at all, never associate with those outside of believers. That, if that were the case, how could we evangelize, right? I'm not saying that. But, but it's important that we don't go along with the crowd in so many aspects of our life. It says... Blessed is the man that does not stand in the path of sinners, nor seats in the seat of the scornful. Be careful about using criticism or agreeing with someone who is criticizing someone else. Be careful about that. Remember this verse. If you want to be blessed, how many of you want to be blessed? We have to be careful that we agree with anyone who's using criticism. Don't follow the crowd. And verse 2 says this, But those that are blessed, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And how many of you know, I know I, for a moment there, I, I forgot Ephesians 4.29, which is 32 years ago. But how many of you know how important it is to memorize God's word? How many of you know how important it is to spend time in his word? And what, the more time you spend in it and the and when you're praying, you, even if it's one verse, and you say, God, help me to obey this verse today. When you do, God will, God will show up, I guarantee you. If you pray that prayer, God will show up. And he will, if you ask him for help, he will help you obey it. And when that happens, when we read it, when we get it in our heart, and when we obey it, then what comes? Joy, delight. So it says, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, or woman. And in his law, he meditates day and night. It's so important. I would strongly encourage you, if you don't have a regular practice, to, to get God's word, to memorize his word. That's when it's going to make the biggest difference in your life. And, and as my last verse, I want to look at it in the New Living Translation. This is Psalms 1.1. It says this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. The very first verse in the book of Psalms, blessed is the man or woman who will do these things. These are keys that unlock the treasure of being blessed. And if there's one thing I learned over the last several weeks is what, our culture thinks of blessed is really a far cry from what Jesus said it means to be blessed. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you if, you, 
if you don't remember, just Acts chapter 5, read that verse. Excuse me. <laughs> read that whole chapter, I should say. Read the whole chapter, Acts chapter 5. And look at what they, how they reacted when they were persecuted for following Christ. And again, I'll say it. Yes, we have so many blessings of followers of, of Christ. But oftentimes when we're going through them, they certainly don't feel like a blessing. But God promises to never leave us or forsake us. He will provide everything that we don't need when we make it our desire, our chief passion to follow him no matter what. He will bless us and we will be blessed. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads together and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for the privilege of sharing your word and the things that you've done in my heart over the past several weeks, Lord. And Father, I pray that as, as we share your word, that these things would um, penetrate our hearts. And as we fill our heart with your word, that all those things that make them impure in our heart would, would just be flushed out. And Father, help us. Help us, Lord, to treat others with mercy, Father, to be peacemakers. And this is only possible with your enabling Holy Spirit. Father, help us, Father, to really experience what it means to be blessed according to your word and not what the world considers being blessed. Help us to apply your word. I pray for all those here, Lord, that are in need of anything, spiritually, physically, emotionally. I pray that you meet them, Lord, at their point of need. I agree, whatever they're praying for, Lord, I agree with them that you would touch them, that you would heal, that you would restore. And as our heads are bowed out, I also want to offer an opportunity for those of you to reaffirm your faith in our Savior. And for those who have never given their life to the Lord, those who have never received, as it says in in John's gospel. Receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Remember, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. You first have to recognize that there's something missing. You may be the richest person in the world, but you realize something's missing. Blessed are they who mourn, and it's our sin. It's not somebody else's sin. It's our personal sin that we are responsible for Jesus' death. When you acknowledge that, you will be comforted because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, was shed on your behalf, on my behalf, to cleanse us from all sin. So let's pray together. Simple prayer. Heavenly Father, I know that you love me. I know that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. He shed his blood to wash away my sin. I am sorry for my sin. And I ask you to forgive me. And I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And he lives with you, Lord. And I ask Jesus to help me to live for him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen.